Welcome to Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey and insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. My name is Lowell Applebaum. I'm the CEO of Vistacova, where we partner with organizations on vision, strategy, and facilitation. It's my absolute pleasure to have with, today, with me today my colleague, my friend, my uh, fellow class sibling, if, I guess, uh, <laughs> Stephanie Reeves, F-A-S-A-E-C-A-E. Stephanie is the Deputy Chief of Public Policy and Engagement with the American Psychological Association. Previously, she was the Executive Director of the Maryland Psychological Association. She's a member of ASAE. She was named a Fellow of the Association in 2020, and she served on the board from 2018 to 2021. And she is also a 2008 to 2009 DELP Scholar. Stephanie, welcome. We're so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Well, I'm so excited about our discussion today. Well, we can have a, a contest of excitement, but <laughs> instead, I will ask you a question, which is the question we love to start with. You know, you're with us because you're a leader in the community. You're truly a rock star in the association world. And we know those who lead do so because they're able to recognize and leverage their strengths. I have three little ones at home. We talk about superpowers all the time. So tell us, what's one of your superpowers? Well, I haven't perfected the ability to duplicate myself. So that's still on the horizon. But until then, I, I have to say I had to ask people what they thought my superpower was, because I think just getting up in the morning is good enough for me. And one of the answers I received was quite interesting. It was the ability to, no matter what the situation, figure it out and adapt as needed. Mm. And in thinking about my career and such, I've been in many different environments and thought, yeah, I actually have been able to kind of figure it out and maneuver through. So it's it's that ability. I don't have a cool name for it yet because I'm still working on duplication. But once I get that done, then I'll come up with a name and a costume like and all it. that other wonderful stuff. So everyone who's joining in, either listening live recording, Stephanie is crowdsourcing a name for her superpower. So put it in there so we know what to call it. <laughs> keep but it clean though. <laughs> keep it clean, keep it clean. As, as is appropriate for our community. Uh, I guess this is what I would ask though with that, Stephanie, is like this, a bit, it feels like two powers, right? It feels like there's a power within there to be able to recognize, assess, and understand a landscape. And then the secondary is like, once you have that understanding, the adaptability. Mm -hmm. And I guess as you reflect upon your own career journeys, are, are those things that you were born with, you learned, like, how did they become a superpower? I think for me, it was something I had to learn. Um, I'm a middle child. Mm -hmm. So I had to deal with an older sister and a younger brother to me, which I think is almost the worst dynamic you can have as a middle child <laughs> because it's always why aren't you you know why aren't you more like your sister and then your brother is the only boy so there are things that they're able to do that you're not able to do so it's figuring out okay where is my place yeah and I you know even growing up and through now it's always figuring out where is my place in all of this, whether it's my career, personal, with my friends, different groups and such. So it is definitely something I've developed over time. So I love that idea of like, where's my place? And I'll, I'll focus on the, the career aspect and perhaps also your uh, deep involvement in volunteer life as well, because that you can hear in your journey of DELP scholar and then member and board member and fellow. I mean, that's been, I have to imagine that's been a journey too. 
tell us about the beginning. Like, where did you find associations and like, how did, how did it become like your professional home? Great. Um, so I'm a native Washingtonian and that's going to mean something. rare. That's rare. And, and rare, when I mean native, I mean, I literally was born in the city of Washington, not oh. Maryland, not Virginia, DC. Some people get that wrong, but no, I was born in DC. I feel like you should have a badge on LinkedIn for that. <laughs> I should, they should really do that. My, my hospital, the hospital I was born in, unfortunately it's now a condo, but that's DC. But um, so when I was a junior in college and I went to GW, I did an internship with a woman that had her own association and her association, she used to work at NIH and she represented women who worked at NIH and it was a small membership group. And one of the things we got to do during that summer was go to Capitol Hill and we actually did a briefing. And I had no idea what any of this was. And so I found out that it was government relations. And I thought, well, this is interesting because my career trajectory was supposed to be employment lawyer, but I got talked out of law school. And now this just kind of fit in perfectly. Yeah. Um, my first job out of college was as an assistant to a government relations um, director for a nonprofit association based in DuPont Circle. And literally it just started snowballing because I started learning more about different aspects, lobbying, political advocacy, political action committees, and literally started as an assistant and went through a number of different associations. And what I loved about associations was even though I had a really specific role, I was able to learn other aspects of the association mm -hmm. and was able to participate in different things. So even if I was, you know, going to Capitol Hill on behalf of my boss or attending a, a coalition meeting, I was also able to learn about grant management and um, our members and member engagement and governance. So it gave me this kind of, you know, broad breadth of knowledge that, I wasn't able to probably get in a for-profit space. So yeah. literally just continue through, through different jobs. And again, getting all aspects of the association space and to where I am now, literally started from the bottom and now I'm here. <laughs> so I know along the way, I mean, from leaving the legal potential path, you at least past few organizations have been psychological focused in nature right? Is that a place of just, you fell into it. And so one step led to another, or is that field in particular, something that speaks to you? Like, what was I, that? I think, I, I think it's both. Um, so it really, I, I was previous with um, ASHA, where I think a lot of people know, or if you don't, it's American Speech Language Hearing. That's where I became a Delft scholar and got my CAE. And um, interestingly enough, um, I managed our political action committee and one of our public member was someone who ran the government relations off one of the government relations offices at APA. And it was at, <laughs> it was at actually a NASA conference. And I, I hope Arlene's not on, but I, she'll be, I think, I think it'll be okay. But actually it was during an ASHA conference where I was asked and approached about a position at APA. And I said, I'll, I'll take a look at it. I have been with ASHA for 10 years and yeah. it's a you know wonderful organization. And the downside of a wonderful organization is that people don't leave. So advancement opportunities aren't always there. So I, at that time I said, I'll, I'll take a look at it and then just was hired. And it has become a really interesting journey 
in learning more about mental health, um, having the experience with family and friends on mental health. And it's become a passion and along with my advocacy work um, from APA to MPA and now back with APA. Yeah. Do you find that colleagues that you are friends with or work with, like that, that intersect of passion and interest in the association world, do you find it something that's oft that you find that those that your colleagues in the association world also have this bent towards finding like a subject matter that they're interested in their organizations? I think it depends on the person. Um, and I think it's, it's unfortunately probably a rarity because I, I you know, I, we do what we do because we have to love what we do. You really yes. can't be in the association space and not love it. And I think for those of us who are at ASAE in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, I think that's the culmination of that. So you have to love it. And mental health is not something that is an easy, by any stretch of the imagination, issue to deal with. Um, but I have been fortunate enough in my career trajectory, again, from APA to MPA back to APA, to see the sea change where the stigma, while still there, is we're starting to get through to that. And more people are talking about mental health, more resources are going towards mental health services and providers. And so the conversations become broader, which is yeah. not something I can say has happened prior to. So I, 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 again, I find myself really probably fortunate and maybe in a very rare position to where not only do I love the particular work that I do, but also the genre that I'm doing it in. So in terms of a love the work that you do, I want to go over to your volunteer life for a moment. Mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like the Delp experience, gosh, 14 years ago, 13 oh, yes. years ago, it looks like uh, a, while, a little bit ago. When uh, I was five. <laughs> a moment ago, a moment ago when you were five. Uh, was that your entree into ASAE? I mean, it looks like ASAE has been a community for you in the journey, even just like your energy when you talk about being an annual this year. Yeah, I actually became a member in twenty in 2004. Ah. So it was about four years of just trying to really kind of figure out what that looks like. But, um, and my Delp journey wasn't even that easy either. I applied three times. Um, the first time I did not get through the internal process within ASHA. The second time I was not selected. And I remember distinctly the head of the GR department at ASHA asked me once again, hey, do you want to apply for DELP? And I remember, and that's for the class of 0809. And I remember telling him, if I do not get in, I'm not applying again. I'm just yeah. not going to do it. But I am a firm believer. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm a firm believer in that things happen for a reason in its appointed time. Yes. So it was meant for me to get in that class. And for people to, you know, just to kind of get a perspective on what this DELP class is, uh, my DELP class includes Sean Boynes, um, Stephen Stout, um, Allison Heron, Mariana Bonney, um, yeah, Eloise Altaro, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting other people, and my apologies if I am, but um, Pam Silas, a group of just dynamic association professionals yeah. in this field. And so DELP was, for me, the first time in my career that I was surrounded by people that knew exactly what it was like to be the first or the only. Yeah. So having that cohort to, to vent to, to commiserate with, to cry with, to laugh with, 
was opened so many doors and opportunities for me in the association space. I would not be where I am literally and figuratively if it wasn't for Delph. So let me, let me ask, as we go sort of along your journey there, what was the journey of getting on the AAC board? What was that experience like, right? I mean, yeah. I think everyone who's a member is incredibly grateful for those who serve and leading the organization. And like every organization, what board service actually is, is very different on the outside in terms of what it may look like or not, right? What was that experience like? It was probably the most unique experience I think anybody who's ever served on the board could have because, um, and and I, I will say first and foremost, quite frankly, I wasn't thinking about board service. And I remember being at ASAE in Toronto, here you go, back again with ASAE Annual, and two people who do not know each other, but I know, introduced me to others as a future board member. And this was the first time I had heard that. And I'm like, where is this coming from? But again, things happen when it's supposed to be at a point in time. So I said, you know what, if it's being put out there in the universe, why don't I pursue it? And Vicki Deal Williams, who is now CEO of ASHA, um, I talked to her about it and I said, should I? I don't know. She was like, do it. I was like, why not? Do it. And so I, I applied for the board and, you know, really talking about my experience and working with as executive director of the Maryland Psychological Association, the small staff association, a state association. So I was a member, I was a, I was a type of member that I don't see a lot of in our space. Mm quite frankly. So I felt that I distinguished myself enough to where I think my application will get some attention with no expectations, because I know, like with a lot of things ASAE related, it's so hard to get in on the first try. And I yeah. remember coming to, I was coming back from a meeting and um, Vicky called me um, at while I was out. And um, I remember my uh, coordinator said, oh, you got a call from a Vicky Deal Williams. And I was like, oh, um <laughs> and I called her back and she was actually on vacation and she said oh I just have to tell you you got in and I was like what I got I got on the board how and she's like because you were dynamic you had a great application so but I remember but I came onto the board at the time where it was one of the last boards that John Graham served on before he passed mm. so I was on the board um when John announced his illness subsequently passed away, um, which then prompted um, Susan Roberson's interim right. and then the search for a new CEO. Wow. And then COVID. And COVID. <laughs> and, and COVID. Right. And then COVID. And then COVID. So I, when I tell you that it's probably the most unique experience that anybody who's ever served on the board would have, it really has. And we had phenomenal dynamic leadership at that point. And I learned so much that I was able to take back to my own organization. And I, I strongly encourage any ASAE member, if you're thinking about the board, um, do it. Um, yeah. Find me and I will tell you what that experience is like, the nitty gritty of it. But it was one of the most worthwhile experiences I've ever had as a volunteer. I love that. You know, you've had so many distinct leadership roles I guess I would ask, as you look to the future, what do you think those that are aspirational and becoming better, deeper, more involved leaders in the future, where should they be looking to learn? Like, what skills should they be looking to develop? Ooh, oh, uh, 
there's a lot. Um, empathy definitely is one. Um, mm -hmm. We're in a very different climate than we have ever had. And um, folks are struggling. And it's not just, I, I think we, when we think about people struggling at their jobs, we think about maybe, you know, mid-level, maybe, you know, admin, admin staff or customer service. People are struggling across the board, CEO and on. Um, so that, that the, having empathy is going to be key. Also, I think we have to approach going forward with a boldness that yes. we have never experienced before. You know, we talk about bring your authentic selves to work. But there's still, we have to, let's be, let's remember, there's still organizations that are not comfortable with that. And sometimes people have to be pulled kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Right. We are here in a moment in time where leaders of associations look like me. Yes. And there's still people that can't grasp that concept. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to have to. Yeah, or you're going to die on the vine. Yeah. So if you are wondering what your next move is and you're not sure about it, whether it's a volunteer opportunity or you've asked to serve on a board or a committee or, you know, even a writing assignment or participating in something like this, yeah. do it because it is these opportunities that are going to capture somebody's eye. There are people who are looking at you that you have never met. You may never, ever meet, but they may put your name in a room that you're not going to be in. Yes. Um, so the boldness, we have to approach this space with a boldness we have never seen before because that's the way our organizations are going to move forward. Mm -hmm. I love your energy. I. Uh so I, well, I know time's getting short. I want to ask one more question before we get to sure. the last one. Uh, you talked about in the beginning of that answer that you know the time of reconciliation of what we need versus knowing what you're asking for and like in embracing it and championing it, that those that are on the journey of that time of adaptation, like that's tiring, right? Like trying and having to go through change is tiring. How do you, how do you refill your well? Like for you, like, how do you keep your, I mean, you have an amazing energy. How do you keep your energy up? Uh, coffee. Um, and I'm not even a big coffee drinker, but I will drink it if I need it. Um, red, red is helpful. Um, it's yeah. one of my, I, I love this color. So it gets me up. Um, having your tribes. And I say that plural purposefully because in this association space, there are going to be different groups that you are going to engage in. And you know, the tribes that keep me going are, you know, BBI, shout out to BBI and BBI know who they are and they're watching, hopefully, um, or we'll watch it again. Um, BBI has gotten me through the pandemic and where we are now. And if it wasn't for this particular group of women yes. who I met through Delp, I would not be again. I would, I, I don't know where I would be in terms of my mindset and my energy. Um, my Delp colleagues, my GR colleagues, my broad association community. Um, what has helped energize me right now, in addition to those, is going to ASE Annual because let's face it, you know, beyond being zoomed out, yes, there is nothing like seeing your colleague standing right in front of you and having that conversation. Those conversations we can't replicate online. We just can't. This is vir virtual is great. There's many benefits to it, but there is nothing, particularly in our space, that works better than when we come together. And yeah. every, you know, if you see people's 
comments on ASE annual, everyone says I'm revitalized. It's because, and in, you know, three years, we haven't been able to do this and we needed it. We need that. And that's why I love this community so much because we are truly a community. Well, I think that you just gave a a good answer to the follow-up question of someone who doesn't have their tribe yet, right? How do you start to find it? Uh, Yeah, it's um, really, it's uh, what is your interest in this space? And actually also, what don't you know in this space? Um, Because... I would encourage people, you know, whether or not you're going to become a CEO, that's your own personal journey. But I really encourage people, if there's nothing I got out of my almost seven years of being an ED, it's an appreciation for the functions of an association that I would not get normally from just being a GR professional. And I encourage others to do it. And through those activities, you're going to find your tribe. And you know the people you vibe with. You, you, yeah. know, you know who you are. You know the people that you're going to connect with. But I challenge you to not just find people who look like you, who are in your particular um, issue area. Find the people, particularly who don't look like you, who may not even share your same political views or such, because we can all learn from difference. And you can, your tribe can look like so many different things. And hopefully that expands your own point of view. It expands your own depth in what you offer. Yeah. So as you think about your future, someday far, 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 far in the future, uh, when you're at, at a point of reflecting on what mark you've been able to make, what is the legacy that you leave behind for the association world look like? I want my legacy to be she brought others along for the ride. Mm. I love that. <laughs> Well, I think that speaks 100% to your nature and who you are as a leader, as a colleague, as a friend. Uh, really appreciate you spending time today, Stephanie. All right. Thank you, Lowell. I, I, again, I've enjoyed this conversation, and this is a wonderful platform that you have provided yeah. us in this space and community. So thank you so much for the opportunity. It's my pleasure. And I, I hope everyone who listens in today and, and each time finds a place of inspiration and a potential in their own journey. Uh, we each have a rock star inside of us. And so find your tribe, find how you refill your well, find the places that you're not comfortable and become more comfortable and so many more lessons that we learned today from Stephanie. Thanks to Amy for, as always, uh, being the hostess with the mostest there in the comments on the social media pages. And we appreciate everyone tuning in. And we'll look forward to having you with us next time as we hopefully together learn and chart the future focus and leadership of the association world. Rock on, everyone.